Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. I want to go to the book of Matthew. Go to the book of Matthew. It's the first book uh, in the New Testament. And uh, so if you go to your New Testament, the book of Matthew, chapter 25, I'm going to read you a large portion of Scripture. And uh, in verse, starting in verse 14, it says, Again, it will be like a man. This is a parable, a story that is told about the kingdom of God. It says, It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. This is very important. He entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave, gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who received one bag went off. He dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts Settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done. Come and share your good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 22, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew, this is harsh. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Everybody say abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. I want to speak from this parable, this story in Matthew chapter 25 as we conclude this series to really capture a concept that I believe is not only going to challenge you, but it's going to inspire you. It, this, this, this story is, is about this master and he trusts these servants, and I think this is really important to, to take note of, he gives them his resources, he says, I've got an abundance, so I'm going to give you something. And he gave it to them for a reason. He gave them resources for a purpose. They were supposed to take those resources, work those resources, multiply those resources. This is the reason that God gave it to him. Every single servant, the servants that were mentioned, the three, all of them were given something. So that means no one was left with nothing. Nobody could say, he didn't give me anything. Nobody could argue, well, he didn't, give, he didn't see me worthy, so he didn't. He gave everybody something. He says each according to their own ability. So he knew their ability. He knew their assignment. He knew their purpose. And so he gifted them according to the thing that they were called to do. Does this make sense? It's interesting that what the master gave them 
was, was not just a gift, but also responsibility. He gave them the gift, but he also gave them responsibility. Let, let, let me just ask you this question. Let's back up for a minute. Let me ask you this. Why multiplication? We're talking about the art of multiplication. Why? Why do we need why, why do we need to prosper? Why do we need things multiplied? Why do we need abundance? I mean, it's just me and my family. Why, why do I, I just need enough to pay my bills and that's good. Why do we talk about abundance? Why do we talk about multiplication? Let me say it this way, is that if your vision is you, then all you need is enough for you. If, if, if the totality of your purpose is yourself, then you really don't need that much. Multiplication might not be for you if your vision stops at you. If you've never thought about the next generation, if you've never thought about what happens after you pass, if you've never thought about the continuing of Christianity long after we are gone, if you've never thought about the things that would remain in the earth after we are not here, if you've never thought, I'm telling you, your vision has to go beyond you. My vision has to go beyond me. Why multiplication? It's because God's put something in me. God's given me a purpose. God's given you a purpose. God's given you assignment that is bigger than you. That if he just supplies your needs, that's not enough. Because the vision is not just for you. It's, it's, it's beyond you. It's, it, 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 it's bigger than you. What God's doing is something that is bigger than your capabilities. If you're going to do great exploits, you're going to need great provision. You know, this is what we talk about. Know God. Be strong. Do great. If you're going to do great exploits, if you're going to do something great for God, then you're going to need a great provision. You know what I've found in, in, in building a church and building an organization is that everything that you want to do costs money. It's like everything. Everything. Coffee in the lobby. I want to give coffee to people. I don't want them to pay. It costs money. To have these lights on costs money. To run the air conditioning, and you know we run it here. Especially that 815 service and keep you awake. It costs money. Whatever we do in ministry, it costs. Do you know everything you're trying to do in your life? If you want to start a business, guess what? It's going to cost money. If you want to buy a car, guess what? It's going to cost money. Pastor, I don't, I'm just not into that. I'm not into multiplication. I'm just, what are you into? Or may, may, rather, how do you live? Money is the currency in which we exchange for items. So if I have a vision that is bigger than me, I also have to have a faith that believes for more than just for me. I've got to have some type of stirring, belief, desperation, hope, vision. That's bigger than me. A couple weeks ago, my, my uh, dad and I, he was in town, and, and my brother, we were going on a, a little hunting trip. Archery opened, and, and uh, so we were going to go hunting, and, and we're literally, we didn't have much time. We were just going overnight. We're going to hunt one morning, and that was it. And uh, so it was a small window, and, and my dad comes out, and me and my brother are, like, packing up the car. I mean, just, it's slammed. We've got, we've got items for anything. And I thought, I have a lot. My brother is just out of control. I mean, like, if, if any natural disaster happened, he has, every, he has it all right there. And so my dad's like, how long are we going again? And I'm like, uh, we'll be back tomorrow. And he's like, why are you guys bringing all this? I'm like, just in case. 
You never know when the thing I bought at Cabela's four years ago, I might get a chance to use. You know, that's like, that's like the fulfillment in life for a man. It's when you spend that, that money like four years ago and everybody in your family judges you, like why do you need that? And then you're out in the wild and that thing happens and you're like, this is why. This is why. This is the moment. I'm still waiting for a lot of those, but, you know, they're going to come. They're going to come. I mean, we packed out the car like we were going on a 10-day trip in the mountains with no food, no lodging. I mean, we were prepared. You know, you know what's, what's, what's interesting is that if you've got vision or you see something bigger than what you're in or what you're doing, you need more for it. You should have seen how many coolers we brought for the deer that we were going we to get. Got to be careful, all you Washingtonians watching online. Um, we're going to harvest. No, that doesn't work either. Anyways, you know, it just is what it is. I mean, we had more coolers than we got tags, if you know what that means. Just because we're prepared. We got vision. I'm going to tell you this. Your life, your life's dreams, your life's visions should be so large that you're packing extra for the journey because of what God's about to do. You should be living in such a way that you are preparing, that you are planning, that you are packing your life with faith, with abundance, with prosperity, with multiplication for the purpose of moving the kingdom of God forward. God prospers you for a purpose. God blesses you for a purpose. God gives you increase for a purpose. God brings multiplication for a purpose. God doesn't bless us just so we can say we're blessed. God blesses us to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. What are you living for that is bigger than you and costs more than you have? This is a question we have to ask ourselves. What are we living for that is bigger than me? Well, I just want my kids to be able to go to college. you got to have more than that you got to have more than that. I just want to have a nice house and a nice car and maybe get a car paid off and a white picket fence and 2.3 kids and a dog named Spa. you got to have more vision than that. you got to have more vision than survival. You've got to have more vision than selfish ambition. You have to have more vision than just making it through a year or a life. You have to have vision that sees that God has entrusted you with something. He's given you something. He's gifted you with something. And he wants a return on it. He wants a return on what he's deposited. It's a couple things that, that I noticed in, in this story that I think are, are just so key for us. That, that these two servants, the ones that he calls, he calls faithful, and he says more will be given to you. There are some key observations that we can see from their life. In the first one, you see that they were grateful. This is how they came back to the master. They were grateful for what he had given them, and they put it to work. Let me just tell you this. When you understand that everything you have has been given to you by God, you become grateful. Entitlement happens when we think that we have earned something that God has given. Entitlement comes when we think by our own efforts and by our own ambitions, we have gained something for ourselves that has been a gift from God. Everything that we have, every ability, every talent, every skill has been gifted to us by God. It was His, He's the master. 
And he has entrusted to us his servants. He's entrusted us with something. And what you have is different than what I have. What I have is different than what you have because God has gifted each of us according to our ability and to our assignment. Our specific purpose requires specific giftings. And so God gifts you according to such. They were grateful. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 13, it says, Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. This is after... They're raising money and taking offering, First Chronicles. And he says, everything that we're giving to you came from you. And that changes your perspective. When we're talking for the first couple of weeks of this series as we talked about the tithe. And last week as we talked about generosity. That everything that I'm returning to God, returning to God. Every time I'm giving back to him is what he's gifted me with. I'm a steward. I'm not an owner. I'm a steward. I'm not a possessor, I'm a steward. Lord, I'm going to watch over what you've given me. And I'm not just talking about finances today. This is the last message in the series. And we're shifting gears because God is after, and we know this, God is after our heart. It's more than money. It's more than resources. God is after our heart. So let me say this. God is after everything that he's entrusted you with. Giftings, talents, resources, anything where it applies. Time, talent, treasure. Whatever God's given to us, he's entrusted to us. And whatever we give back to him has been given to us by God. So that means when I go about my work, I should be giving thanks to God. God, thank you for the ability to wake up one more morning. Thank you for the ability to teach, to preach, to communicate. Thank you for the ability to lead. Thank you for the ability to make burgers at in and out Thank you, whatever you do. Thank you for the ability, God. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you, I have a job to go to. Thank you that I have a family to complain about. Thank you that I have in-laws to gripe about. Thank, thank you that I have them, you know. Thank you for what I have. God, thank you because everything I have has been given. They were grateful. They were faithful. Says this, not only were they grateful, recognizing that everything they had came from God, but they were also faithful, which means this, is that they took what God gave them and they put it to work. Now, I'm going somewhere today because everything I'm doing right now is setting up for what God wants to do today because you have to see that they, they, they were given it, but then they were faithful with it. To be faithful with it, you have to catch this, to be faithful with it, they had to sow it. In order to sow it, they had to let Go of it. Did you know that any investment requires you letting go? Of it? You, don't, you don't get to like, hey, I'd like to uh, buy a couple shares of Apple. I'd also like to keep the money in my account. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. If you're going to invest in something, you're going to let go of something. It is a risk. Let, let, me, let me just use these words together. Faith and risk go hand in hand. Faith and risk go hand in hand. They were faithful. Verse 21, it said, as his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you charge of many things. Did you know that, that for many of us, we see faithfulness as like showing up? But God sees faithfulness as fruitfulness. There's a difference. 
I've been faithful to the Lord all these years. Let me ask you a question. Have you been fruitful? Because the master in this parable equates fruitfulness with faithfulness. If you've been faithful, then you must have been fruitful. Well, you know, I'm just, I've been a good husband. I've showed up every day for the last 37 years. I'm so proud of you. That's what you should do. But have you been fruitful? I'm a Bible-believing saint. Bless God. Great. Have you been fruitful? The Bible says by their fruit you shall know them. Not by their faithfulness. Jesus, the master, equates faithfulness with fruitfulness. We separate them. And we say we've been faithful because we've shown up. But God says no. Faithfulness is fruitfulness. If you've been fruitful, it is a sign. It is evidence. It is proof that you have been that you have been faithful. They were grateful, and they were faithful. We talked about this a series ago, fan into flame, the gift, or in other words, the grace of God. What does that mean? It's that when God entrusted them with resource, the master entrusted them with resource, his resources, he gave to them according to their own ability is the same way that God has entrusted us with a gift or with the grace That grace is the super on our natural. It is the supernatural power of God to accomplish our assignment. So God has given you special powers. He's given you supernatural ability to do what he's called you to do. So that's why it's so important to find out what you're called to do. Because what you're called to do is empowered by God. Say we're faithful. So I like to say this is that that when the servants begin to sow... What God had given them, the master had given them, it is equivalent to us fanning into flame the gift that is within us. Because the master has entrusted us with a gift. But Paul said to Timothy, you're going to have to work that gift. You're going to have to stir that gift. You're going to have to fan it into flame. They were faithful. And then, you know from the story, they were rewarded. They were rewarded. This is where Christians get all weird. Because in our heart, we do things for reward. But out of our mouth, we would never say it. In fact, we'll condemn people. and say, oh, they're just in it for the reward. They're just in it for the blessing. Look at them. They're just in it for the show. How do you know, first of all? The Bible says God knows the thoughts, the motives, and the intents of the heart. He also says he is the punisher. He is the one who, 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 who gives consequence or gives. Pun- We're always about, like, taking vengeance ourselves. You know the Bible says? It says leave the vengeance to God. Interesting. Side note, another message, another series for another day. It says they were rewarded. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is what we talk about when we talk about finances, but it translates to every other area that we don't give to receive. We give to give. When we give of our time, talent, treasure, we give to give. That's how we do it here. We've got signs in the back hallways. We, we, we serve with a want to, not a have to. We get to do what we, get, what, what, what we do. We get to serve. We get to love. This is a privilege. This is an honor to do what we do. It says, but God is a reward. So how does the reward fit in? Is that there always is a reward for obedience. 
But the reward is never the motive for the obedience. Obedience must come out of love from God, but in that obedience, God loves us, and there is always a reward. And because the servants were faithful, God said, I'm giving you a reward. He says, whoever has will be given more. He says, take the one from the guy that's been unfaithful and unfruitful and give it to them who had been faithful. When you begin to produce for the kingdom of God, let me just say this. I, I, I said this years ago, and I've been emailing with a guy uh, in, the, in the church uh, about this specific thought because it's so interesting and I think it's so true. If God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. God's looking for conduits of blessing. God is looking for someone, somewhere that he can get his gifts through. The gift was never supposed to stop at you. Talent was never supposed to stop at you. What God's gifted you with, the grace that he's given you, was never supposed to get stopped up in me and make me great. It was supposed to get through me so I could bless someone. It was supposed to get through me so I could minister to someone. It was supposed to get through me so I could be generous to someone. It was supposed to get through me so that I could affect someone else's life because my vision has to be bigger than me. My vision has to be bigger than my life. My vision has to be bigger than just getting through the day. I've got to see God has a purpose. God has a plan. And God's kingdom is moving forward with me or without me, and I just want to be with him. I just want to be with him. We all, this is what this, the, the parable teaches us, is that we all will be called to account for what we have been given. It's kind of frightening and kind of challenging that what God's given to us, he's also watching over to make sure that we are faithful stewards with it. He's, he's making sure, and, and, and we talked about the two and, and, and how they were grateful and how they were faithful and how they were rewarded, but I want to I talk about the, the other guy, the other guy that was, that was unfaithful. I, wa- I want to tell you the reason why Scripture says that he hid what he had. Let me just say it this way first. I believe all, there's all kinds of believers that have been gifted by God but have hidden talents. They have hidden giftings. They have hidden abilities, hidden things that God has entrusted to them. So I know when we're talking about money, we know right about it, we know right exactly what it is. But let me just say this, it's bigger than money. I mean, just the abilities, the talents, the skills that God has given us. And many of us, we bury those things thinking that having them is being faithful with them. But not using what God's given us. And what he's entrusted us. This, this is why for some people that I especially have been in ministry and God's used them in ministry, I try to help them see this. Because you're still responsible for the gift even if you got tired. Now you might need to create some margin and you might need to have some balance. But to bury the gift because you were hurt by the gift is to be unfaithful with the gift that God's given you. You might have to peel back some layers and realize that the reason that I buried what God gave me because I was afraid. Oh, yeah, that's what he says. He says, I was afraid. And he begins to talk about the master. And this is what he says. I seen and I heard that you are a hard man, that you, that you harvest where you have not sown. He talks, he talks about him. But, but the truth of the matter is, he didn't know him in that way. He had heard about him. 
And what I've found with so many people is that they are stuck in fear and they bury their talents because of what they've heard about God. They're afraid of who he is and what he is and what ministry will do to them and what service will do to them and how people will hurt them. But what has been gifted to you was given to you by God for a purpose, for a reason, on specific assignment. And we have to be careful that we don't bury the gift to protect his heart was right. It was to protect it. He said, let me, just, let me just bury it so I'll protect it so it won't be taken from me. Let me just bury the gift so I won't be hurt by the gift. Let me just bury the gift. See this. Let me bury the gift so I won't lose the gift. Everything that he was talking about found its root in fear. Many of us have buried what has God has given us instead of putting it to work because of fear. Fear keeps us from obedience. It keeps us from obeying what God's asked us to do. Fear keeps us from generosity. Fear keep, it's fear because I have to let go. I've got to make an investment, which means I have to let go of what I have. So my fear makes me hold on. That's why if you invest, did you know you, you, can, you can pick your level of risk, right? You can pick moderate, safe. Some of you are those safe investors. It's like it's only safe, only safe, only safe. Some of you like no investors. Like I will trust no one. I got, the, I got the money under my mattress, and it will only be that much money because you cannot multiply what's under your mattress. You can only add to it. The only way that you multiply what you have is to let go of it. You, you, the only way. You, you, you cannot have compound interest on money hidden in mattresses. The only way that you multiply is that you got to let go. But fear keeps us from obedience. Fear, and this is really where it gets us, is fear keeps us from vision. Because I don't need that gift if my vision's just me. I, I don't need to stretch myself if my vision's just me. I don't even need to dig that gift up if my vision's just me. I don't need to search for that gift or develop that gift or fan the gift into flame because if my vision's just, but when you begin to have vision, you realize that you need something more than what you have. And in order to have something more, you've got to dig deep in yourself to realize what you already have. Fear. It was fear that kept him. Did you know that, that what, what this man needed was he didn't need like more faith to invest his gifting or his talent or the money? What he needed was encounter. Because he did not know the master he had heard things about. I'm going to tell you what religion does. Religion tells you things about God that you have not encountered for yourself. It teaches you things about the church. It teaches you things about leaders, about pastors that are not true because you haven't experienced them, but you heard about them. And now you have shaped your whole thought and your whole idea of Christianity and even of God himself by what people have said. I'm just going to tell you, I want to hear it mouth to mouth. I want to see it face to face. I don't believe anything anybody tells me anymore. I don't believe the news. I don't believe you. I don't believe anybody. I want to see it for myself. And that's what God wants 
for me and for you. He says, you don't have to hear. You don't have to hear it from someone else. It doesn't have to be hearsay. I want you to know me. And if you know me, then you'll know that I'm good. And if you know me, you'll know that I'm loving. And if you know me, you know that my plan is for good and not for evil. If you know me, you'll know that I've got a plan for you and an assignment for you and a purpose for you. I heard this quote a long time ago, and I think it's so true. To know him is to love him. That's it. The, the fear that gripped this man's heart was fear of a master he did not know. But if you were convinced of how good God was, it would be easier to take the risk. Because if you knew you had a good master that would honor your obedience and not look over your shoulder at your performance, then you would understand that I can just be faithful with what he's given me, and I'll risk what he's given me. I'm going to spend what he give, gave me. I'm going to invest it in people. I'm going to invest it in programs. I'm going to invest it in ministries. I'm going to invest it in churches. I'm going to invest it in small groups. I'm going to invest it in classes. I'm going to spend myself. Yeah, but what about you and all the concerns that come out of fear? That come out of fear that cause us to bury what God has given us. Psalm 27, 13, it says this, I would have lost heart unless, unless, ooh, I love that, unless I believed faith that I would see, not hear about it, see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Oh, I, I, I would have lost heart. I, I would have. I would have. It's too tough. It's too difficult. The challenges are too much. The, the trials are too much. I would have unless, unless I had, I had believed that I would see, that I would encounter, that I would personally know the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Let me ask you this. Do you know or do you believe that God is good? Oh, I know we used to sing about it. I know we talk about it. But do you know he's good? If you knew he was good, you could trust him with your resource. If you knew he was good, you could trust him with your talent. If you knew he was good, you could trust him with your ministry. If you knew he was good, you would dig up the gift that you've been burying for so long and say, I'm ready to invest it. I'm ready to give it. If God's going to do what I believe he's going to do in this church, in our campuses, across this city, and across the U.S., and even internationally as we reach in missions and churches, if he's going to do that, God is going to need leaders. And those leaders are not on a stage right now. They're sitting in seats right now. And God is looking for people to begin to stir up and dig up gifts and talents that have been hidden and say, it's time to take a step of faith into everything that God has for me. Vision that is beyond me. Vision that costs more than I have. Vision that's bigger than me. Vision that frightens me. Vision that makes me trust. It, it, it's, it necessitates a level of faith that says, God, I, I have to have you. When was the last time you stepped out in faith so much that you were shaking in your boots saying, God, this better be you. That's the kind of church we want. That's the kind of church we want. Such audacious faith that says, looks at the hurting world 
looks at the needs. I was just on Instagram this morning. I saw an old acquaintance of mine from years ago. He was nobody back in the day, but he had a heart for building wells in places that did not have water. And I hadn't looked at any of his stuff for years. I started scrolling through his site. I started scrolling through his, his Instagram. This dude has exploded. He's building wells all over the world because he had a vision that was bigger than him. Man, what could God do with a church like this? You know, I was talking with a buddy of mine the other day, and he said, man, what's God doing in the church? And I said, let me tell you this. God's done a lot, and we're so excited about it. But I'm more excited about what he's going to do. He said, oh, really? Like, what do, you, what do you think God's going to do? I said, you know what? I don't even really know the magnitude of it, but I'll tell you the clue. This is always the clue for God about to do big things. I told him, I said, he's sending leaders. He said, what? I said, I can tell the magnitude of the vision by the leaders, the quality of the leaders that God is sending because whenever God's about to do something big through an organization, through a church, through a ministry, in a movement, he will always send leaders before he moves. And for the last three years, we have seen hundreds of leaders assembling people that are in our body that we don't even know about right now. People that have buried their gifts and buried their talent but are here right now. God's assembling leaders. He's pulling people. He's tugging on people's hearts. He's preparing if I can say it this way, he's preparing an army. He's preparing a, a, a radical group of believers, of servants that say, God, what you've put in me will not go to waste. It will not be buried. It will not just be for me. It will not just be for my family. But what you have put in me, I will multiply. I will use. I will be faithful with. I will work. I will be diligent with. I will fan into flame. The gift of God. Bill Johnson says how we see him defines how we think and how we live. The way we understand him is the way that we will represent him. Let me just tell you how we should represent God. 1 Chronicles 16, 34, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. Psalm 13, 6, I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been Good to me. Psalm 23, 6. Surely your goodness and your mercy will follow me. His goodness is chasing me down all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Psalm 106, 1. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And his love endures forever. If I see him right, if I understand him correctly, I will represent him correctly. What God is doing into this moment, in this church, and even in this service, in these campuses, let me tell you what God's doing. God is awakening. He is provoking. He is stirring those things that he gave to you. What is it? What is it? Let me just ask you this. What happened that made you bury it? What happened? Did you step up and fall? Did you spend something and fail? Did you try something and get burnt? Were you used? Did you try?
try to volunteer at that church and they used you and you got burnt out and now you never want to be used again. I don't know what it is. I don't know where you have, but I'm going to tell you this. The vision that God has given to this church, it necessitates high-quality, high-tier leaders that God says, I'm not looking for people just to be our version of faithfulness. I'm looking for people that would be my version of faithfulness, which his version of faithfulness is fruitfulness. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.